Good morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Tribe podcast, presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am the exhausted David Hasegan. To my left, the refreshed Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. I know you're exhausted. This week for me, <laughs> my travel stuff was was a little bit more local or locally based. Uh, but you had a nice extended drive out to Macomb, Illinois. 14 hours there and back, folks. I don't know how in the world I got through the traffic this morning to get here. All I know is that I'm in the studio and we got a lot to talk about for this week in the FCS. We had four top 10 upsets in the FCS stats poll this week, as if the chaos couldn't get any worse for the committee going into what is now the stretch run before the playoff selection show. It's getting to that point, folks. Uh, we will talk about where we were that this past week as well. Emery was at Monmouth on the call with that game for ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we have our game balls. We even have a, a coaching game ball, which is mm-hmm. uh, a little something different this week. We're going to talk our top 25s. We're also going to talk about the XFL draft. We're going to talk about a lot of FCS players that went into this draft. They're going to have a shot at playing pro football once again. And we'll talk about our telling, trap, unsung, and best games of the week, including a very special FCS Stats Game of the Week this week that is going to get some national attention for a lot of reasons. Folks, if you want to listen back on any of our other podcasts, don't forget to go to SoundCloud and iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Leave us a five-star rating and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our content. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge. It's where football makes sense. It's almost like Dak Prescott would be a good quarterback if you went to uh, footballgameplan.com for some reason. People are doubting uh, Dak Prescott is actually decent. So, <laughs> for whatever reason, Emory's it's got a, a big, glorious weekend. He's, man. <laughs> he's got a big smile on his face, folks. Everything he's he, the, the seer of seers, the czar of the playbook is is in his glory right now. But don't forget too, we have our FCS conference whip around the new and improved FCS conference whip around. Uh, hopefully, y'all, if you were watching, and noticed a few changes to our format this week, and we're gonna go with that moving forward for all of the FCS conferences from. Big Sky all the way down to the SWAC. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FBallGamePlan for Emery and at David underscore Hasagan for myself. Uh, before we get into the games of the week, folks, before we get into where we were this week, we also want to send a uh, quick shout out here because uh, there was a kind of a rough uh, injury as well this week at uh, the game between Mercer and VMI. Uh, quarterback Robert Riddle uh, taken off in an ambulance. Uh, in the game, he is fine from what we have heard. We've heard uh, that he is actually doing much better. Uh, so just a shout-out to uh, Coach Lamb and uh, Robert Riddle and his family and the uh, whole program down there at Mercer, uh, who actually came back and got a win for him uh, against VMI this week. So a quick shout-out to uh, everybody down there with that program, and uh, we hope everybody is back on the field and ready to go soon. Uh, let's talk about the games we were at this week, Emery, and we're going to start with you. Monmouth taking on Gardner-Webb. Uh, we've talked about Monmouth Preseason, there was a little bit of hype around this team. Didn't really follow through with it up until a couple weeks ago. Then, good win against Presbyterian. Followed up with a nice win against Gardner-Webb, 49-28. What did you see in this ballgame? Pete Guerrero was phenomenal. <laughs> he had, he was He's a track athlete that, you know, starts to play football and added, you know. Ten pounds of straight muscle. Straight muscle. <laughs> you know, that's why I was going with it. <laughs> But he was outstanding against Gardner-Webb. I thought this was a great game back and forth. Very entertaining because Gardner-Webb came in with these two Redwoods at wide receiver that had success. And, um, you know, you're, you're looking at these two wideouts, and I want to get their names correctly because they were they were outstanding. And they were a big reason why they were in that ball game. 
have the flip card chart here. We're always prepared. We're always we got prepared, our notes. guys. We got always, our notes. We got our notes. But one thing that was impressive about the game is that they started out like, okay, we're going to attack where we know we can attack, and that's in the passing game. So you talk about one of the receivers was a sophomore in Isaiah Gaithing, 6'4", 216 from Statesville, South Carolina, North Carolina Statesville High School. Ooh. And – Chuma Awana, the graduate transfer from Norfolk State, six three two seventeen. He's the pro prospect. They had a lot of scouts uh, that have been going to Bowling Springs to check him out. But both of those guys really had a lot of success yeah. um, until Mama started to change things defensively. They got after the QB, Whitlow, uh, Kalen Whitlow, who's a, another one of these grad transfers. It made things tough for the Gardner-Webb offense. And then Pete Guerrero just went off like two yeah. big long touchdown runs. And Kenji Bahar, by, by like, listen, I don't know why he's not getting the respect nationally, but he's definitely getting the respect from the scouting community. Mm-hmm. As I talked to Coach Callahan, there's a lot of scouts that have been coming through that Monmouth University athletic department this year to look at the quarterback from Kenji uh, in Kenji Bahar, who had a phenomenal day as well. So I thought this was just a great team effort. Mm-hmm. Their defense got better. Over the course of the game, they really slowed down what Gardner Webb was was able to do, and I thought the the running Bulldogs. This is not a pushover team. They're no. going to give people problems the rest of the way. They're balanced on offense, and that's something we really haven't seen from Gardner Webb in quite some time. So it was an entertaining game. Mama got the win on their homecoming, uh, but it was a great contest, and you can still catch that replay on ESPN3.com and watch the ESPN app. It certainly was a good game. I was—I uh, didn't get to watch it because I was on the road for most of the last 72 hours. Uh, but I was out at Macomb again for uh, the second straight year to, as uh, Western Illinois Leathernecks taking on Illinois State, who came in, you know, top 15 team, nationally ranked. Western Illinois still looking for their first win. Um, I expected it to be closer than it, you know, than expected because Western Illinois usually plays that kind of ball, but. I wasn't expecting it to be this close. Illinois State got the win on the day, 28-14. Five turnovers for Western Illinois kind of killed them, uh, including two in special teams. So that was certainly where the thing hurt the most. But Western Illinois was impressive. They went with more of a hurry-up offense, which they, you know, Western Illinois had struggled to stop the pass rush all year. Illinois State was one of the best in the country coming in. And they went with a hurry-up offense. And for Coach Elliott, it worked. It really, really worked for them. Uh, a lot of quick, you know, quick passes, nice runs up the middle. Uh, Western Illinois made this a game. Illinois State, obviously, a lot of pro prospects. Um, Solomon, who was listed as a tackle on the Senior Bowl website as the watch list, he was actually playing at guard, which is where we expect him to maybe play at the next level. Um, the running back Robinson, solid player. I mean, you know, he he didn't get a lot of space. Western Illinois did a good job shutting him down, but. When he did find space, he did show the speed. He's willing to take a hit. Um, so he had a very nice game as well. So there was there was a lot to be – there's a lot of improvement that's going to happen at Western Illinois. Very young team. Illinois State, passing game was okay, but I wasn't blown away by them. So I'm, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit hesitant more now on the Redbirds, but it was a very entertaining ball game. And, again, thank you to Bob and all the people out there at Western Illinois for all of the hospitality once again. Um uh, I thought I was going to be the good luck charm again for the second year in a row. Because last year I was out there, they knocked off Northern Iowa, which came out of absolute nowhere. Almost worked again this time again, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I left the rabbit's foot at home. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into week eight and let's talk about some of the other games because there was upsets 
everywhere this week, and we got to start with what is turning into the story of the season, Sacramento State. The Hornets have come from absolutely nowhere, and now they've beaten three consecutive nationally ranked teams, and they just lit up Montana this week, 49-22. This is a Hornets team that got no respect in the preseason, no respect for their individual players, no respect for their head coach, and now they're 5-2, and two, top of the big sky, and looking to possibly win that conference. And no one is talking about Kevin Thompson and what he's done at the quarterback position. 30, 34 attempts, 24 completions, 4 touchdowns, and 369 yards passing. But his ability as a dual threat is what also helps out this team. But defensively, they're doing a fantastic job. George Obena, the outstanding edge rusher, pro prospect, missed all of last year with the injury, came back this year healthy, got the medical redshirt, phenomenal. And they did a great job in turning the ball over. They forced two interceptions for uh, Dalton Sneed. And they really shut down a very good offense in Montana. This was more of a statement for South, uh, uh, Sacramento State than it was an indictment on the Grizzlies, in my opinion. So yeah. shout out to the Hornets for playing great football this past weekend. We'll, we'll see where they end up. I know where they are in our top 25s. I wonder where they're going to be in the national poll this week. Let's move down to the SoCon now. And this year's Jekyll and Hyde, Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde team uh, recipient has got to be the Citadel. They knock off Georgia Tech. Nice. They barely beat Charleston Southern. Rivalry game, fair enough. But then they lose two in a row to Sanford and VMI. They come back and knock off Furman, number eight Furman, 27 to 10. Out of nowhere, this team is four and four, but arguably has one of the strongest resumes for an at-large bid in the country. I like their quarterback, uh, Brandon Rainey. He's he's outstanding. And he's a he's a guy that you know they run that option, but he's tremendous. He's he's stopping. Uh, he does a great job in just doing a you know running that option effectively. And it's, it it was a big reason why they they knocked off Furman. I was shocked at Furman's defense. Yeah, Furman is one of the better defenses in the FCS, and they couldn't get any stops. We just had a spider randomly ac- walking across my shoulder here on the I was podcast. trying to tell him in, in a <laughs> – like, you were terrible at charades, man. I'm trying to tell you, you got something on your shoulder. Well, I, I thought you were looking out the window, and then all of a sudden you're just keeping uh, – never mind. Like anyway. Let's, but, let's, and also, <laughs> offensively for Furman, what happened? Yeah. There was nothing they could do <laughs> offensively. Again, an enigma are the Citadel Bulldogs. You don't know what you're going to get from week to week, but, man – Talk about throwing a, a grenade in the top 25 with this beat down to Furman. This is – we were talking about this off-camera, folks. This, this year has just turned into one of the most explosive cluster you-know-whats in, in all of college football. And it continued in the Southland Conference. Another defensive struggle in the Southland. Sam Houston State shuts out number 9 Nichols 17 nothing. What in the hell is going on there? Like, Sam Houston State, again – top 10 team in the preseason dropped all the way out then they've been kind of you know flirting with the top 25 at the bottom for the last couple weeks now they get a shutout which never happens in the southland where did that come from you know it's been something that's that's awesome to see a transformation of a football team because sam houston state has gone from shootout saturday every weekend to now playing great defense and running the football now we've seen them run the football before they've had great runners in that Bearcat program, we've seen them have great defenders in that Bearcat program. P.J. Hall being the latest, playing right. with the Oakland Raiders, playing really well, by the way. Uh, and so we haven't really seen it all come together as one. 
We're seeing it this year. I think they're starting to hit their stride. Again, I'll treat this game like I did the uh, Sacramento State-Montana game. More of a statement by Sam Houston, not an indictment on Nichols. I think Nichols is really good. They just ran up against a better team that day in Sam Houston State. But yet again, another game to blow up the top 25. And maybe, Absolutely. Maybe no game was more explosive, though, than the game that happened yesterday. It was a tropical <laughs> storm that right. rolled in that affected a couple games in the MEAC. We had South Carolina State that ended up playing at like 10 o'clock on Saturday morning to make sure they got it in. But FAMU and North Carolina A&T decided, let's push it back till Sunday. Well, this game has just thrown, you talk about grenade. This was a nuclear bomb that they just <laughs> dropped on the MEAC potential because FAMU wins again. 34-31 in overtime over number 10 A&T. Everything is now up for grabs in terms of celebration bowl, possible playoff bid, possible second playoff bid, if I can be so bold. And FAMU is not going to be any one of them because they're ineligible for the postseason, which is driving me insane because they have played so well this year. What an incredible win for FAMU, and now things get really complicated in the MEAC. Here's the thing. There's a lot of asterisks in this game. <laughs> um, and I think it's fair to, to, to let the public know why there are a lot of asterisks in this game. Okay, granted, this, the game was moved to Sunday because of the storm. If anything, though, that's an extra day of rest. Correct. Here's the biggest asterisk of the game, the footnote that will be that should be at the box score, should be every at halftime, there was a melee between <laughs> both teams, which involved the coach of FAMU, Willie Simmons. So not only was Willie Simmons thrown out the game, but AM uh AT also lost Jermaine Martin and Elijah Bell. They're too easy. They're two, They're two best. best. And Mac McCain. They're three best players. Jermaine Martin, the running back. Elijah Bell, the receiver. And Mac McCain, the cornerback. Oh. That's great strategy by FAMU. Well done, Willie Simmons. Exactly. That's great, Coach. <laughs> We're going to get their best players out the game. Because at halftime, oh. FAMU was nursing a seven-point lead. You come out. It was 21-14 to 14 at halftime. You come out of that and... You quickly jump on the scoreboard, and you, you it's 28-17, and you have to find a way to get into overtime. But you also have to give credit to A&T for coaching their way into that overtime matchup. Yes. So, But what a, a huge asterisk in this ball game! You think that's going to be uh, carried over next year a little bit? Oh, absolutely. That's going to get really interesting. Absolutely. But listen, you talk <laughs> about A&M, 6-1, uh, the only losses to UCF. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the APR violations, FAMU would be a team that would be steamrolling toward the Celebration Bowl. They knocked the big dog off the block in A&T. And you brought up a great conundrum for the FCS. Because, quietly, Bethune-Cookman still only has one loss. Shh, quietly. But here's the thing. Bethune-Cookman, the last two games of the year play A&T away, and then home with FAMU. So FAMU could have the best record in the MEAC, cost both teams a chance <laughs> at the postseason. It's going to be absolute chaos. In the, in the, but here's the thing. As much as we're going to say that, FAMU will somehow find a way to lose to, like, Delaware State. Like, because that's what they did last year. They'll find a way to lose one of those games, and then it's gonna, not going to matter. But MEAC is going to be something to watch going down the stretch. Let's get back into some of the other upsets, though. How about Southern Illinois? The Salukis just absolutely ran 
over Youngstown State. And we were watching, I was keeping an eye on this box score in the press box of Western Illinois, because obviously, same conference. No one, no one saw Southern Illinois knocking off Youngstown. And they absolutely destroyed them. What does that say about Youngstown? And maybe should Southern Illinois now be in the conversation because they have an FBS win? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This weird so weird. It it gets so weird, man. And it just takes the wind out of the sails I had for, I was, you know, driving the Youngstown State bandwagon (laughs) early in the season. Hopefully not the Sooner Schooner because that that, That that was not not good this week. I was rolling with the Penguins. I love what they were doing defensively. They were 0-3 in conference play. Yeah. And so I think – I think you can essentially eliminate them from the playoff contention. Which is crazy to think about because they might still be nationally ranked this week. That's what I'm saying. And it's still I think they're still very good, but it's hard to continue to make that case when you lose to Southern Illinois. Shout out to the Salukis, though. Let's move on to maybe one of the shocking upsets, though, of this weekend, and that was Austin P. The enigma that is Austin P. Number 20 this week, and they lose to Tennessee State, not UT Martin. Not Tennessee Tech. Not the teams in the OVC that have been really, really good this year. They lose to Tennessee State 26-24. How? Because <laughs> Tennessee State has been one of the worst-looking teams out of this conference this year. How do they get this win? Two words. Chris Rowland. 12 receptions, 113 yards, paved the way. But also, Steven Newbold was another one. So the receivers did a great job for Tennessee State. And this is usually the game that Tennessee State loses. Yeah. Because Tennessee State usually comes into a matchup Six and one or five and two, we were. I am probably hyping, hyping, up, up. hyping up Tennessee State, <laughs> and then they come in and lay an egg against what used to be a winless Austin P team. That was years ago. That was it's years not ago. Rolls reverse now. Austin P lays an egg. Credit to <laughs> Coach Rob, Rob Reed out there at Tennessee State doing a great job and and getting that upset win because they had to they had to come back. Yeah, Austin P was up twenty four to nine in this ball game in the third quarter and lost 26-24. So credit Tennessee State for fighting back, getting off the mat, and getting the win. Let's talk about, let's stay in the OVC. Because for the second year in a row, Jacksonville State has seen their title hopes go up in smoke, maybe. And it's at the hands of SEMO. Again, 24-21 over number 16 Jacksonville State. I talked about Citadel being maybe the Jekyll and Hyde team of 2019. Jacksonville State might be that award winner too, because again, just when you think, okay, Jacksonville State's—they had a tough, you know—they had a loss week one. They're coming back. Oh no, they dropped another game. Well, they came back next week. They're going to be fine. Now they lose to Semo. What the hell is happening at Jacksonville State? But another good win for Southeastern Missouri. Who would have thought <laughs> that Daniel Santa Catarina would come in and just completely sling the ball around the yard? Now, granted, it's three touchdowns. I get it. Um, but the big one was the 80-yard one to Christian Wilkerson. That, yeah. I think, set the tone for them in the fourth quarter and really put this thing out of reach. And once you start to get that confidence, it's hard to, to put that confidence back into the bottle and bottle it up. So shout-out to Simo in the second half for, for stepping up and playing great football. That was the crazy thing about this game. Four touchdowns in the last 421. That's Jacksonville State. That sounds like Jacksonville this State. this ball game. A that Jacksonville State game. Four. You could put Jacksonville State, the Los Angeles Chargers, Houston Texans, all in the same bag and pull out the same team. <laughs> they play the same game every week. Let's talk about some of the other games. A note before we get to our game balls, folks. Uh, another small upset in the CAA. Delaware knocks off UNH 16-10. Uh, Yale over Richmond 28-27. Merrimack 
30 to 21 over Delaware State, their first D1 victory. Idaho over Idaho State, 45-21. Central Connecticut continues to roll, 52-14 over Bryant. Colgate off the mat, their first Got win their of the first year. One. Shout out to my cousin, Coach Dan Hunt, out there getting his first win. 21 to 20. Stetson throws a giant monkey wrench in the in the Pioneer That's a League. A lot of picture. grenades being thrown. 38 21 over Dayton and Jackson State over Missouri Mississippi Valley State in overtime. 31 to 28. I picked Valley to win that game because I was like, this just is a different. I, listen, they're losing still. But this is a different Mississippi Valley State program now. It's not your uncle's Mississippi Valley right. State. Right. They're, they're not getting blown out off the water to where you're questioning whether or not they should have a football program. Yeah. They're losing close competitive games. They're in ball games. They're pushing games to overtime. I think this team next year is going to be a problem. Let's move into our game balls. And we're going to have a, a collective, and we mentioned this at the top of the show, a coaching game ball to start off the week. And that's going to go to head coach Buddy Pugh at South Carolina State. Uh, he became the all-time winningest coach, his 129th victory, uh, passing Willie Jeffries for that mark uh, in terms of Bulldog history. So congratulations to Coach Pugh. Uh, we, were, we were questioning at the end of last year whether he was going to come back for this season. He has, and now he gets a nice win. He gets the record. So shout-out to Coach Pugh. Shout-out to Coach Pugh, man, one of the great guys in the game, in the sport. I had a pleasure to talk to him a couple times uh, during my, my travels. But my first game ball is going to go to the backfield. Josh Davis, Weber State, 34 carries, 328 yards, four touchdowns on the ground, breaks a school rushing record. Outstanding job getting the win. They needed all four of those touchdowns to win that ball game. Did anyone else touch that, that? And that's the thing. You look at that stat and you're thinking, did anyone else touch the football for Weber? But here's the thing. You look at the box score, folks. Their second leading rusher had 111 yards and three scores. Like, what the hell? Like, imagine running for 111 and you get tripled by your teammate that's got that's got to be bragging rights in the locker room uh so sorry chris jackson but not this time around i'm going to go to kurt rollins the quarterback from yale uh 25 of 42 for four, uh, 249 and four touchdowns the yale bulldogs with a nice win this past week they're going to be a problem again in the ivy we've said it all year long nice game for kurt rollins and he continues to impress yeah absolutely and i'm going to go to the defensive side of football linebacker royce c from Sam Houston State, 10 tackles, two TFLs, one and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. All of that was needed to get the shutout against um, Nichols. I'm going to go to uh, the Pioneer League, and we're going to go to Stetson. Jalen Leary, the running back for Stetson, 19 carries, 220 yards, and a touchdown in their big win over Dayton. Stetson still very much in the conversation as potentially winning the Pioneer League. Good game for Jalen Leary. Good game for him, and it's time. My last game balls are going to the shutouts of the week, which was a lot this week. Yeah. Uh, St. Francis shutting out LIU 30 to nothing. Prairie View A&M getting the shutout against Virginia Lynchburg. Uh, Sam Houston State we talked about with Nichols 17 nothing, and North Dakota State shutting out Missouri State 22 to zero. And my last one is going to go to uh, Aaron Winchester, the quarterback from Central Connecticut State. 13 of 19, 228, and two touchdowns with the air. 10 carries, 161, and two scores on the ground. A good dual-threat quarterback. And the reason that the Blue Devils find themselves in a lot of people's top 25s at this point in the season. Speaking of top 25s, let's go to ours because there was a big shakeup this week with a lot of teams losing. We mentioned four top 10 losses uh, in upsets, but we also had number 20 go down, number 16, number 19, uh, number 22. A whole lot of shuffling going on now. Emory, your top five schools at the moment, please. Top five schools at the moment. No drum roll, please. North Dakota State, James Madison, South Dakota State, Weber State, and Sacramento State. 
There it is. <laughs> there it is. Already. The Hornets make the top five. I have them just outside my top five. I've got North Dakota State, JMU, South Dakota State, Weber, and Kennesaw still at five for me. Although between them and Sac State, it is really, really close at this point. Who's your six through ten? Six through ten is Villanova, Kennesaw State, Montana State, Illinois State, Central Arkansas. I didn't want to knock Villanova at all. I, you know, they're a bye. They're on a bye. And even though their last game was a was a big loss. Having a bye this week actually moved you up. Exactly. That helped you out. <laughs> Kennesaw State's still winning. Yeah. Um, can't knock them down anymore. Same thing with Montana State. The bye helped them out. Uh, Illinois State, I still believe they're a solid team. And Central Arkansas found its way back into my top ten. They were in there earlier in the year after yep. the Division One win. Yep. The FBS win, I'm sorry, against Western Kentucky. They dropped a little bit because of how the top 25 is shaking out. They're finding their way back up into the top 25. My 6 through 10, I got Sacramento State at number 6. Incredible rise for the Hornets this year. Villanova at 7. I dropped Montana only to 8 because now we know Sacramento State is a much better team uh, than what they were rated previously. Um, I've got Montana State at number 9 and University of Northern Iowa at number 10. I think I have them at maybe the third best team right now in the Missouri Valley. Yeah, that's a great uh, 6 through 10 right there. 11 through 15. This is where it gets now, interesting. Now it gets interesting. <laughs> Montana, Dartmouth, Northern Iowa, I still believe. Central Connecticut State, no one is talking about. That is a very good football team. And UT Martin at 15. Two Northeast schools in your top 15. Now that is East Coast bias. And that's what that's what the problem with the FCS polls. <laughs> it's East Coast bias. Uh, my 11 through 15, I got Illinois State at number 11. I moved them up marginally this week after their win. Towson at 12, Central Arkansas at 13, Nichols at 14, UC Davis at 15. They got a nice win this week. So UC Davis is starting to creep back up a little bit uh, to where they were in the preseason. What do you got for 16 to 20? Because now it gets real weird. 16 through 20, I have Sam Houston State, Incarnate Word, uh, Wofford, Towson, and South Carolina State. South Carolina State at number 20. How about that? First of all, they get credit for playing their homecoming game at 1030 in the morning in a driving rainstorm <laughs> with nobody in the stands, having to move their game up because of the hurricane, and they get the win. My 16 through 20, I got SEMO now at number 16. I jumped them up this week. North Carolina A&T at 17. Dartmouth at 18. Wofford, 19. Jacksonville State now number 20 for me. I had to move SEMO past the Gamecocks after beating them head-to-head. But, again, the reshuffle just continues, and it's going to keep getting weirder now as we go from 21 to 25. 21 through 25, Princeton, FAMU, Stony Brook, benefit of the bye, A&T, <laughs> Delaware. Interesting. Very interesting. I have three new teams in my top 25 this week, and they're all in this last group. I've got Delaware at 21, Citadel at 22, FAMU enters at number 23, Furman drops to 24, UT Martin, for me, is at 25. They got another win. UT Martin just keeps rolling along. I don't know how this Quietly is possible. Quietly, they keep winning. How is this possible? And then my next five down, I've got uh, Maine dropped out of the top 25 for me this week. Uh, Princeton is there. Eastern Washington dropped out, even though they were on a bye. Albany and Central Connecticut State. I'm still not completely sold on the Blue Devils yet, but another win might might get me sold on them. I don't blame you. Uh, here's the thing. Central Connecticut State... People will look at the NEC and think like, okay, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. And I, I, but listen, these two, these, this team right here is different, and yeah. uh, I, I am, you know, all in on what they're selling right now. You saw they were able to give the coach the full fledged, um, yeah, took the interim took tag, the tag off. away. 
you know. Take so, it away. it's remember this is a Central Connecticut team though that nearly knocked off a CAA team in the playoffs a couple years ago. Right, exactly. So they've built this program nicely. Uh, again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast. This is the Week 9 preview. If you want to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast, we would greatly appreciate that on SoundCloud and iTunes, wherever you're listening. Give us a five-star rating and let us know what you want to hear. We are up for suggestions all the time. We want to give you guys what you want to hear every single week. And don't forget, you can listen to, you can uh, check out footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge from the NFL all the way down to the lowest levels of college football and beyond uh, for all of your football knowledge. Let's move into our deep dive of this week, Emery. And normally we talk NFL on this. You know, we've talked NFL in in general on football game plan. We have a couple of we have a podcast we cover for it. We have a TV show here on Optimal on the Game Plus Network. But the XFL draft, it's going forward, and they had their full roster draft last week, folks, on Tuesday and Wednesday, 71 rounds. Um, first eight picks were assigned starting quarterbacks, well, quote-unquote starting quarterbacks, and then they went through the draft. A lot of FCS players going in the XFL draft, and we've got to talk about this because there's a lot of players that we've talked about on this podcast that have found their way now onto professional rosters um, that really deserve to be. Um, Let's start with the offensive side of the ball, Emery. Obviously, there was a ton of linemen that actually went in this draft, but a good number of skill players as well uh, coming out of the FCS schools. Who was, who are you most excited to see play in the XFL? One, let's start with one of the receivers in Kelvin McKnight out of Sanford. Yeah. Lit up Florida State. He's going to uh, the Dallas Renegades in head uh, coach Houston. Bob Suits. Houston, I believe. No, he's Dallas Renegades. Oh, uh, Dallas. Okay. Yeah, uh, Bob Suits is the head coach down there. So his, his quarterback was Landry Jones. Right. And you think about the receivers that he had at Oklahoma. There's a lot of these short, quick guys. And, you know, that's Calvin McKnight. And McKnight was yeah. actually having a really good camp with the Denver Broncos. Um, and I think he's going to do great in this league. And, again, he had a great game against Florida State. did a great job. Uh, defensive tackle Winston Craig is also on that Dallas team out of Richmond. Uh, spent some time with the Eagles. He's going to get a great opportunity there. And when you talk about the quarterbacks, you look at a guy in Taron Christian who we talk about a lot, uh, who has had some opportunities in the NFL. He was with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. He was with the Seattle Seahawks, and more recently was with the Pittsburgh Seals for about a week. And then now he's getting himself drafted in this league here. And I think he has a great chance to uh, have success. And, and keep an eye on Fred Payne, you know, Western Carolina safety, who was playing in the uh, German Football League huh. post-graduate. Okay. Uh, post-graduate he was a 2017 class and you know he's starring over there at the German Football League he gets drafted and uh, I want to say he's with the Houston Roughnecks so I like his versatility be interested to see where he goes in uh, Los Angeles the Wildcats has is the team that drafted Taron Christian right and I want to I want to talk about too um, the tight end out of Stetson Donald Parham we talked about him a lot uh, Six eight six nine, I believe tight end who just came out of absolute nowhere. I think he was a basketball player the first two years at Stetson, moved to football, and now he's playing professionally for Dallas. He was taken in the ninth round. Um, Nick DeLuca, one of the star members of that North Dakota State Bison defense for the last couple of years, the linebacker, he is going to be playing here in New York, playing for uh, the New York Guardians. Uh, really excited to see him play as well. Um, Martez Carter out of Grambling. He was an absolute star 
uh, down there in the SWAC, and we we really liked his game over the last couple of years as well. Another running back, Darius Victor. Yeah, finally glad too. to see him getting an opportunity. He was a star in preseason with the Saints a couple of years ago. Yep, and now he's going to get an opportunity to be a, a, a you know lead dog in that offense for the New York Guardians. So we get a chance to see him out here at MetLife under Kevin Gilbride, the head coach. And you got Andrew Ankra, too, the defensive yeah, end defensive from JMU, end. who we thought were, was going to stick easily in the NFL. He was that kind of player, but I have a feeling he might stay in the XFL for maybe a year or two if he's, you know, if the XFL survives for that long a time, and then he might end up back in the NFL because he's that good. And you have two Monmouth guys on that New York team as well. Jake Powell, the tight end, who had a cup of coffee with the New York Giants in yep. training camp, and Darnell Leslie, who spent a lot of time with the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, who was tremendous as a pass rusher for Monmouth. Both guys are now with the New York Guardians, get to stay closer to home, and compete out there on the football field. I think it was really interesting that you look at the schools that they're coming from. There's really got players from all over the country that were taken out of the FCS and the XFL draft. So it was really interesting to see that going through here. Victor Ochi, remember him? Yeah. Two years ago was a, was a stud for Stony Brook. Spent time with the Baltimore Ravens. So I really like the Garden Guardians defense. They got <laughs> yeah. pass rushers. They got Leslie and they yeah. got Ochi. So I think that's excellent, man. And then Los Angeles took two FCS guys at cornerback, C.J. Moore at NC Central and uh, Roman Tatum out of Southern Illinois. So the FCS flavor, there were 40. The way the XFL draft worked, folks, if you didn't see it, is they did kind of position by position. So they did off the skill players, then offensive linemen, 10 rounds apiece, D, uh, front seven, and then and uh, corners and safeties. First 40 rounds, first 40, 41 rounds, there were 40 FCS players taken. So, and there were... A lot of small school guys too. You got um, Dante Die out of Heidelberg. Yeah, Division Three guy. He was with the the Bucks for a while. Reese Horn from Indianapolis went in this Listen, draft. Reese Horn out of U Indy was one of the better receivers in Division Two, and and was one of the top receivers for the Memphis Express in the XF. I mean the AAF. But Reese Horn is a really good player. I'm excited to see him. Just a lot. It, it was really a mixed bag. It was kind of fun to watch this. You got um, a, you got linebackers coming out of Newberry. Edmund Robinson coming out from Newberry going in the, uh, I think it was, I guess, the 32nd round or whatever it was. It, it was really kind of fun to watch. Um, but a ton of FPS talent, guys like Scooby Wright, who really didn't get a chance out of Arizona, went in this draft. But then you had a guy, he went behind, Davis Tull. From Chattanooga. Chattanooga pass rusher was with the Saints. So keep an eye on the XFL, folks. Obviously, there's a lot of FCS players, and we talk about it um, a lot in the NFL. There's going to be guys that are going to be NFL draft prospects who were signed out of camp. We saw Chase Edmonds have an incredible game. Oh, you watched him firsthand this week at the Meadowlands out of Fordham. Um, Kalen Saunders was starting a couple weeks ago for the for the Chiefs. Lorenzo Doss had a really good game. Uh, not Lorenzo Dawes, Keelan Dawes had a really good game for the Raiders yesterday. So FCS players will go to the NFL, and they will continue to be that good. The XFL is quickly becoming a spot where, hey, NFL teams don't want to give you a chance. We will. So let's see if the XFL survives for a little bit longer than they did the first time Everyone around. should be rooting for the XFL survival because it means extended opportunities for these FCS guys, coaches, scouts, analysts, correspondents. Everyone benefits when there's an additional professional league to cover so everyone should be rooting for the xfl and they are not affiliated with the nfl in any way nope however you could see guys that are xfl guys in a couple years nfl guys are like all right we missed on him bring him into camp but you're going to continue to have those guys that slip through the cracks are going to end up in the xfl and if you can have a place where 
you're still seeing quality professional football that's not at the NFL level, hey, think of it this way. You don't have to deal with Roger Goodell every week or the refs that are continued to decide games in the NFL. So just keep that in mind, although we don't know what the XFL refs could do. But that's, a, that's besides the point. We'll keep an eye on all of that. We'll keep an eye on for FCS standouts in the XFL, which starts in February uh, after the Super Bowl gets done and the NFL season concludes, the XFL season will begin. So we'll keep an eye on that for sure, and we'll keep an eye on all of the FCS players at the next level as this season continues. Let's get into week number nine, Emery, and there are some massive games this week. There are so many games that could decide or go very close to deciding who is going to get the automatic bids for this year in the postseason. So let's start with the telling games of the week. Campbell taking on Gardner-Webb. Quietly, Campbell's put together a good season in the Big South. They could challenge people. And as you said, Gardner-Webb, much better than people think. Harvard taking on Princeton. Harvard quietly has put together a nice year. Princeton, though, was it 51 points at halftime this past week? It was 51-19 at halftime. Something ridiculous. Ridiculous, man. Um, Mercer taking on the Citadel. This is what happened the last time the Citadel got ranked. I think they will be in the top 25 nationally this week. Can they handle success? Right. And... I actually got into a conversation on Twitter. What can Citadel do? You know, what do they have to do to be an at-large bid? Because you can argue if they win their their last four games, they could they could win the SoCon. They could get the automatic bid. But you almost have to win three out of four with all the chaos, and we know how the committee's going to look at things. You almost have to win the last at least three out of the last four for them with four losses already to get in. Well, I mean, but we've seen teams with five losses get in, and you talk about a team that has quietly an impressive resume good resume you beat georgia tech and you beat Furman. yeah both on the road both on the road and the other game though there's another game two big games in socon chattanooga taking on wofford because quietly the mocks are still having a good (laughs) they had an awful season at the start they were brutal at the start of the season what did they start what is it oh did they start oh and three i think something like that like it was just you know okay there goes chattanooga's chances yeah they started they started one and four they lost to JMU, fine. They lost to Tennessee, fine. They lost to Jacksonville State, fine. They've beaten Western Carolina, Mercer, and East Tennessee State relatively convincingly. But now, <laughs> their last five games for them, Wofford, Furman, Samford, Citadel, VMI. Talk about a murderer's row in the SOCOM, which has just been an absolute dogfight all year. So, Chattanooga, you want to get in? Prove yourself in these last five weeks, because you're going to have to earn it. Um, trap games this week. What do you everyone? Always- <laughs> everyone, the way everyone the way the that right, every every game is a trap game this week, considering how we've seen the FCS uh, go uh, so far. But I would probably I would, <laughs> I'm half joking, folks. But I've been hijacked in my own segment. I'm late. <laughs> you said trap games. Trap games. If I had to pick a trap game, because um, I hate doing trap games, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be. Cal Poly and Sacramento State. Yeah. The option. <laughs> yeah. The option game is always, you know. Option in-state battle. It could be easy to overlook. Uh, I could see I could see that being a trap game. I can also see uh, Jackson State giving Prairie View issues because Prairie View's defense is questionable. That's a Thursday night game. That's interesting. I got, I got three that I'm looking at. Villanova. Yeah, they had a bye week. They got Stony Brook. Stony Brook has been a thorn in everyone's side this year. They almost knocked off JMU. 
And what do you like to say, Emery? Don't let one loss become two. Exactly. Can't let it happen. Montana hosts Eastern Washington. You know the Eagles want to just shut everybody up with how their season's gone so far. And then Nichols takes on Abilene Christian. Ooh. Again, Abilene, the Southland, there's been like four or five conferences where you could classify as just the pure Wild West. And the Southland's one of them again. And Abilene Christian has put together a solid year. Don't let one loss become two. A ton of unsung games. And again, all these are going to be critical in deciding postseason seeding, who gets automatic bids, who doesn't. Weber, UC Davis, massive, massive game. Towson, JMU, huge in the CAA. Who would have thought UT Martin Simo would be the game that might decide the OVC <laughs> champion? South Carolina State, Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman, please, if you want to make a postseason run, don't There's lose so this chaos, one. Right? San Diego at Dayton. Now I don't the, know if that's a trap game. Well, no, this is an unsung game. We're in okay, unsung, unsung games now. But Dayton lost last week to Stetson. Why did you lose to Stetson? Southern, Alcorn. I was about to go there because of the SWAC. SWAC title saw, preview. Exactly. And what we saw last year in the SWAC title game with these two. And Sam Houston State, Central Arkansas. Again, Sam Houston State, for whatever reason, just when you count them out, they do what they did this past week. Now they get Central Arkansas, who's trying to stay in the top 15. Let's give you another unsung game. Um Texas Southern at Valley. Here's why. Okay. <laughs> this is a game. I'm intrigued. This is a game where historically Valley would get blown out. Completely. This would be a game where Texas Southern can get back on the winning track. Right. But Valley, I think, is a better football team right now than Texas Southern. Can they handle expectations? Because now they're expected to win. We'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, too. Not as telling, not as unsung as, as you know, some of the big games that you yeah. listed, but one that I'm keeping a watchful eye on. I'll tell you what, that UT Martin-Simo game is so intriguing to me. Because Simo, we expected, okay, you know, they're going to be challenging Jacksonville State. We expected them to at least be number two or number three this year in the OVC. Just like Sacramento State, no one saw UT Martin coming. Nobody. And all of a sudden, the Skyhawks have put together a, a nice season. Like, I, I don't. Did you see them getting more than no four wins? Mm-mm. They're at five and two. I thought they'd be like five and six, four and seven ish. Yeah, competitive. Yeah, but no. They. I mean, here's the thing: the two losses are to Florida. Fair enough. And Southern Illinois, who we now know is capable of not only being an FBS school but a top twenty-five FCS school. They ran roughshod over Murray State. Handled Eastern Kentucky, crushed Tennessee Tech, handled Eastern Illinois. Now they got to take care of business because they got SEMO, Jacksonville State, Austin P. Next three weeks. So if UT Martin's for real, it will be proven in the games coming up. And by the way, they end the season with Kentucky. Why? Listen. Why are they playing Kentucky last week? Don't of the even season? get me started on the SEC and their uh, their scheduling. They're, they're scheduling um, practices. They have some issues. <laughs> they have some very interesting issues. We got to talk about the best game of the week. And it's so good that College Game Day has decided to make it their game of the week. South Dakota State hosts North Dakota State. If the polls hold to where we think they should be, this is going to be number one at number three. North Dakota State run, comes into this game running on a 28-game winning streak. The last game they lost in Brookings to the Jackrabbits in the regular season. 
this is going to be a phenomenal game with two very good quarterbacks, two very good young quarterbacks taking charge of these two programs. It's going to be a really good game, man. And, again, you don't want to fall into the trap of, is this the week that North Dakota State loses or, you know, who can win this ball game? Is South Dakota State for real? Let the week go by and let the game play out, and we'll break this game down fully in our FCS kickoff. We will break it down in the FCS kickoff. We're going to have a special breakdown of this game. Um, good to see college game, though. By the way, this is only a couple weeks ago. I don't know if any of you people saw this, but on Twitter there was a whole campaign to get the FCS Division One football on college game day a couple of weeks ago. And last week you had two FCS games during the Pick'em segment, and now... They're making the way to South Dakota. I wonder. I, I do wonder this though. Did the bus driver is the bus driver going to get lost? We're going to where? Exactly. What South Dakota? <laughs> where is Brookings and what is Brookings? But, well, I'm glad they they picked some place outside of the Ivy League in North Dakota State and JMU. And that's JMU. Been, that's, that's been, been the, that's been yeah. their their honey hole right there. Those three. Yeah. But I'm glad they're going to Brookings, South Dakota, because what I've seen so far is that Jackrabbits have a phenomenal. Uh, facilities out there they have great yeah. facilities out there and i'm hoping weather holds up weather permits and they have a great showing great showcase for not only the fcs south dakota state and the whole entire subdivision as a whole i, I will say this and credit craig haley too just for running just, this whole campaign well just for being craig haley i don't know i just <laughs> we hadn't shouted out craig haley for uh, being our complaint department for it, being our stat yeah, guy just, for craig, <laughs> craig does a great job i know you probably have nothing to do with uh game day coming to brooklyn south dakota but we just haven't shouted out Craig Haley enough in this podcast. And this I mean, is our first time, so we're going to give him his props. And our, I, mean, I think our biggest uh, our biggest thank you for getting an FCS game on College Game Day has to go to the University of Illinois, who, if they had not knocked <laughs> off Wisconsin, 30-point <laughs> right. underdogs. That was, that was the funniest thing, too, being in the broadcast booth, watching Illinois knock off Wisconsin. People were like, wait, what? How is this possible? And they... And, See, here's the thing. What do you, where, what are your opinions stand? You're you're a, a uniform guru. Where do you stand on the gray ghost uniforms? Because Quietly, I thought that was you know, smoking. I th- I was like, you know, where's the orange for Illinois? But seeing it on TV, I was like, that's pretty sweet. That was pretty sweet. But it what gets overshadowed is how glorious of a beard Lovey Smith has. <laughs> it, it looks he, like it's been painted on. He looks like he has, <laughs> like he tells fantastic Black History stories. Like he looked like he's seen. He, he's on the he's on the front porch. Yeah, he, in the rocking chair at the family reunion with all the good stories. Like he could tell you about every piece of Black history. His beard game is flawless. Come here, grandchildren. Let me, exactly. Let me tell, Gather let me, around. Let Poppy tell you about all the things that happened back right. in my day. Exactly. Like it's it's he is his beard is glorious. But good for him. Good for that program. They needed a big win. Terrible for Wisconsin because there goes that, their playoff chances again. Bingo. Because you know they were looking for a reason to not put seventeen. SEC teams into the 14 playoff and Wisconsin <laughs> just gave them a reason even though they may have a Heisman fi- well they do have a Heisman finalist in my opinion they could have the Heisman winner if he just goes on a tear and gets 2,000 yards once again but that was a bad loss for Wisconsin great for Illinois great for the FCS great for Lovey Smith's beard and the uniforms for the fighting Illini a Lovey lot of great things happen Lovey in Champaign Lovey Smith's beard should be sponsored it That's is it is, it, listen when you see him on like man his be- you know who else has a great beard? Uh, former FCS, seeing that this is an FCS show. Yeah, I was about to say, we've kind of gone on a tangent yeah, here. But seeing this, it's an FCS show, and he's an NFL coach now. He's a running backs coach. Stump Mitchell, who coached at First Southern. of all, that's a tremendous yeah, name. He played, football, he, he played at the Citadel. 
Uh, played professionally with the Cardinals. Uh, he's a running backs coach, I think, with Cleveland. But if you Google Stump Mitchell, <laughs> his beard is fantastic. <laughs> so Stump Mitchell gets a, a shout-out because it's an FCS show. He played at the Citadel. Yes. Great running back. Um, he was with the Cardinals. Oh, uh, my Lord. Yeah, Stump yes. Mitchell's beard is glorious. Fantastic beard, folks. You have to you have to check this out now. He's yeah, he's he is the running backs coach with the Cleveland Browns, actually. So check just check that out on the satellite. Getting back to the FCS though. Um speaking of playoffs too, I think we've got after this week we got three weeks left. Yep. So we get to start talking about playoff fields. I think we might have to talk about who we think are the at large bids that have a potential to get into the playoffs next week. Not just who gets the automatic bids, but the at-large bids. Because right now, folks, the at-large bid situation, like, I, I know we're critical a lot in the past on the committee and making their selections for the playoffs. I do not envy their job this year because there are so many teams in the FCS. You got sixteen. You got five teams in the big sky with five wins at this point of the season, including Portland State, by the way, who's been one of the most unsung teams this season. Portland State's been good. You could easily argue for four or five teams out of the SOCON. You could easily argue that eight of the CAA teams could get in. So I think we might have to do that next week, Emery. I think we should talk about, uh, you know, who's a contender maybe and who's a pretender for an at-large Yeah, we could do continue, uh, contender pretenders. I like that. I, th- I, like I that think angle. we can do that. And maybe we can uh, maybe we can pick some favorites to win the conferences. I know you don't like picking predictions, but uh, since we don't do it on any of the other college content, maybe we can get you to... Make a prediction or two, maybe for for what contender pretender? No, for uh, for favorites to win the conference with three weeks left. Yeah, we could probably do that. We could we could do that. That's not that's not uh, terribly bad, you know. There I we think, go. I think that could work out. So there we go, folks. Now you have a preview of exactly what you can expect <laughs> on the FCS Opening Drive Podcast Week Ten Preview. This has been the Week Nine Preview. Want to thank you all for listening in again. Uh, thank you to everybody at Monmouth and Western Illinois for hosting us this past week. Emery, this week, where are you going to be? The color analyst for your FAMU Rattlers and <laughs> Morgan State. I'll be down there. That game is at 3 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN3. Be sure to check that out. We'll have the color com- I will have I will have the color commentary for that game, and we'll see if there are any subsequent suspensions because of uh, what happened, what took place in that glorious coaching strategy job done by Will <laughs> Willie Simmons. You got to ask him about that. I got to ask him about that. Well, and did you see, by the way, the random uh, the in the FBS, the team penalties for dancing to Mo Bamba <laughs> this past week. If you haven't seen it, I think it was the Georgia Southern game. Is that the one it was? Every single player on both teams received unsportsmanlike conduct for dancing during a timeout. And that resulted in six Player rejections for players <laughs> who already had unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Come on. NCAA refs, just because you want to move up to the NFL doesn't mean you have to act like NFL referees. What the hell is wrong with you? But, no, FAMU, I think FAMU is officially America's team. They are. FAMU is America's team. They're, just They're at least Florida's team. Think about it. You got what's going on at Florida State going on right oh, now. Geez. UCF is not national champions anymore. South Florida... <laughs> Is just not good this year. Miami's Miami bad. is bad, and Florida is you know Florida's the only last bastion of hope in the state. Florida A and M Rattlers, America team. <laughs> Even though Bethune Cookman is still dominant right now, America is backing Florida A and M. 
Florida A&M just slightly ahead of the Citadel as America's team. Slightly ahead. Slightly ahead. Folks, that'll do it for the Week 9 preview. Again, if you want to follow us for all of our wacky exploits, and if you want to complain to Emery on Twitter for your NFL picks at me at Craig Haley <laughs> at Craig account. Haley and for the uh, the support department at Fball Game Plan exactly uh, at underscore at David underscore has they get for myself again go to footballgameplan.com for all your football knowledge go to youtube.com slash football game plan for the FCS conference whip round as well as all of our other video content where you'll get Emery giving previews every week and anything else you want to plug, Emery? Anything else you want to Go, go, offense. The book is out. Go get yours today. We're still selling those books like hotcakes. Footballgameplan.com slash go, go, offense. Offensive coordinator Brennan Marion is breaking down his offense, his unique offense, which has made an appearance at Norman, Oklahoma. So go on our website. Get your hands on a copy today. Footballgameplan.com slash go, go, offense. Maybe that's what caused the schooner to crash. Wait. Too much offense. F- too much F- offense out there. F- FCS offense going to the FBS? No! All right, exactly. Too much offense out there. By the way, when are you going to do a triple option book on Springfield College? Hey, man, we can't let all the cats out the bag, man. We got it's a, lot a triple of stuff. option. Nobody wants a triple option We anymore. got a lot of good stuff coming down the pike, man. So be, be, be on the lookout. And be on the lookout, folks. We are recording this early, so by the time this gets posted or within a couple hours of it being posted, the FCS Stats poll will be out, so don't forget to go to FCS Stats, where Craig Haley has done a phenomenal job and continues to do an incredible job of giving you all the information you would ever need about FCS football. That poll will be coming out within the next few hours or potentially a couple hours ago, depending on when you're listening to this or when it gets posted, so... I have no idea. I can't predict the future. I can do a lot of things. I can't predict the future. Folks, for, for the star of the playbook, Emery Hunt, I am David Hassagan. Thanks for, so much for listening in. Enjoy Week 9, and we'll see you for our Week 10 preview.